Hi, welcome to Greek Tragedy. It's psychology without the science, so it's philosophy. Today, I'm joined with a very, very special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Hannah Rose Poldrack. I'm an 18-year-old American Jew in Los Angeles, California. Of course, of course. Uh, what this podcast is supposed to do is kind of shed light on um, how philosophy is adapted into like social media and philosophy and like the technological side of it because I feel like that's an area that's not really being talked about and I feel like in a lot of sense social media has a lot of philosophy and a lot of you know theory of knowledge um even though we dismiss it at times um today's topic is individualism versus collectivism specifically objections to Nietzsche and Nietzsche's kind of philosophy which I do kind of like agree with him on half of his work, but the other half I really don't. Um, and I really do think that he is an extremely like confusing philosopher and he's kind of daunting with the way he does uh, put himself out there. Um, and he wrote three essays within the genealogy of morals, um, all talking about what he thinks is wrong with society at the time and whatever. And now I feel like we can take that because history repeats, right? Um, so the first thing I kind of want to talk about is his ideals. And his biggest ideal is the fact that he believes morality is contingent, meaning that our morals are not intuited rationally. Rather, they are handed to us by masters and we are the herd and we have to escape the herd. And yeah, so that's kind of like the scenario. I don't know if you agree with that. I don't, if you think morality has been handed to us by like elitists or like the top 1% and influencers, if you want to speak on that. Yeah, I think morality has been passed down from ancestors and wherever it came from. We were told not to murder someone and now it's a law. Um, and so I think with morality, obviously humans have the capability to decide what to do, but you just have to live with the consequences. So if you do murder someone, you have to know that you may or may not go to jail. You probably will. But um, it's not necessarily moral or immoral to murder someone. Like, you, I guess, can decide that for yourself. But since this, like since society has said that you're not supposed to take, um, like, immoral approaches to life, mm -hmm. they want you to, I guess, be scared of the laws and be, you know, adherent to them in order to not be punished like that. Yeah, no, and it's in some sense, like, when we're talking about, like, crime and everything to do with that, I definitely agree that that is a good <laughs> ethic to have because we should not be murdering people at all, um, whether that's through the death penalty, whether that's through just general practice. Murder is very bad and very immoral and disgusting. But in some sense, I do agree with Nietzsche because I feel like, for so long, everything, every truth that we've been given, every moral has been fed to keep up like a status quo for like the people, the top 1% and the people in power and like the elitist. So that's where I do agree with him. And I feel like there's definitely this like slave morality and master morality mindset where the general population is, I wouldn't call them a herd like Nietzsche does. Nietzsche calls them like the sick. I would not say that. Rather, I'd say more like brainwashed. Um, 
yeah by these like by these like <laughs> people in power to like think one way and that's only because they want to keep up what they've been doing for so long which honestly like now thinking about it kind of like dates back to like Plato's days because Plato was the guy who was like oh idealism like here are my morals i'm going to tell you them all blah 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 and since Plato's time, like, it's kind of been passed down that we listen to the people in power. And then we had, obviously, a bunch of monarchies in Europe. And now we have this weird government situation in, like, America or anywhere, honestly. And I feel like it's always the people in power who are deciding decisions for us. Um, yeah. And he describes like the master is to be obviously like these controlling people. And I feel like right now in the 2020, in the 20th century or 21st century, I should say, um, that can be compared to like the, like the big corporations, like the big, the big players in the field, like the people who decide that. And then the slave, like the slave, um, morality. Yeah. That category. Those are the people who believe that. And then he also mentions, um, what he calls a sovereign individual, which is a person who doesn't believe everything that these people feed us and they're kind of free in their own sense. Um, so yeah. And I feel like for a long time, I really did agree with like the sovereign individual mindset, like, Oh, you need to escape that. You need to gain freedom. Um, but the way he explains it in the second and third essay made me really stray away from that just because he explains it in such a demeaning process as to like, oh, if you're a sovereign individual, no, you cannot talk to the herd. You cannot talk to the masters. And I feel like that's just stupid because if you want to get progress anywhere in society and change the situation, then I feel like collective communication would be the way to go, which is really what I believe in, which is collectivism. Um, and another thing I do want to mention is critiques of Nietzsche, especially on this part of his master morality, slave morality mindset where he writes about it, or not even mindset, but what he writes about it. Um, and there's a philosopher named Sarah Ahmed, and she kind of talks about how Nietzsche's wrong about slave morality, because although suffering, being oppressed, being sensitive, feeling guilt um, are part of that, they're not signs of weakness, which I feel like I do agree with. I feel like if you go into the mindset that you're weak, you're not going to get out of this, then you're not going to get out of this because you're not going to believe in yourself. Um, and also she has this one quote where she says, slave morality is much more creative than what Nietzsche says about the powerful. And my question is, is she saying that to relate to big tech and like big corporations and like the elitist people, which I think in a sense, it really, really does. So now that I've kind of like tried to explain his view on morality, um, which is basically him saying, you know what, all set aside, we are going to make our own morals individually. We're not going to communicate to the other side. Like we are going to make our own morals on self-liberation, self-values, um, and rise up against these people. I feel like, do you agree with that? Or like, do you, I think this guy's way ahead of his time. Like, I think just as a thinker, he basically predicted this past election. Like, I know that lots of families have been torn apart based on politics because one side will say, like, I'm going to disassociate. And the other side will say, fine, disassociate. 
Mm -hmm. Um, But the government especially has, um, I guess, enabled this. George Washington, in his um, farewell address, one of the first things he said was to not take up arms against someone you disagree with. Um, And I think if people would read his address right now, I think they would really understand what our first president was looking for as a nation. Mm -hmm. Because he said that, like, because we're relatively new compared to the Ottoman Empire and America is such a, like, such a young country compared to all of these Roman, like, these past Roman nations. We're still figuring out how to react um, and act with politics and even political discourse. And so when you talk about the masters, I think that they've been changed over time, um, but society is reacting and acting with them differently than they would have, like, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like... Here's the thing with Nietzsche is I feel like he really did describe morality super ahead of its time, especially now, because I feel like, again, nobody can make like common ground. And I feel like if you really do want to make progress in society, it shouldn't just be like you straying away and isolating that group. Rather, it should be you guys both communicating and creating like collectivism because Here's the thing. If you're imposing, like, individualism, too, how do you know that your own morals are not going to impede on somebody else's? Exactly. And, like, how do you know that, like, those morals are not going to, you know, extend to boundaries of selfishness because you're going to only benefit yourself? I feel like we should focus on more so benefiting the whole entire community since, as cheesy as it sounds, like, we're all in this together. (laughs) Like, we're literally all in this together. Well, I mean, like, looking back at the Civil War... Because secession wasn't in the Constitution, the Southern states said, you know what? Screw it. Like, let's just secede because we believe that, you know, slaves are property, which is obviously immoral, which we know now. But to them, they were clearly in the wrong. And mm-hmm. so they fought, obviously, for what they thought was right and they lost, which is why, thank God, we don't have slavery. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of the times, the victors of history... Like the, the victors of the wars write the history. Yeah. And so as Americans, we've decided our path. And by winning the Civil War, we have expanded our horizons in morality. Um, and liberation. And liberation. Right. Yeah. No, and I feel like a lot of people now are like, oh, you know, I'm not going to talk to a Biden supporter. Oh, no, I'm not going to talk to uh, a Bernie supporter. But I feel like that's wrong because... The more you shed ignorance, the more problems there's going to be caused because you need to really communicate. And I feel like communication has always worked in the past. Like, it's literally, unless you're, like, shut down and you physically cannot, it's most likely been an adequate and beneficiary, like, place. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Um, Another thing that I want to talk about, and I kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I didn't really go into detail, um, and it's what Nietzsche's solution is to this whole entire morality problem and how the fact morality is, like, contingent, if you will, is um, which is the part that I don't really agree with. Um, and he says the treatment of the herd should be, like, forever separation between those two groups, like the sovereign individuals and uh, the herd. And he plans to do this with the paths of distance, uh, aesthetic ideals. And he talks about this more in the third and the second essay. Also, he mentions active forgetting. Like we always have to forget the promises 
um, that we've made and the morals that we've been taught. And when we make promises, we have to be so fearful that the other group is scared of us, which is like, dude, if you're trying to, you know, self-liberate yourself, just stick to your own common ground and don't care about like creating fear for the other group. Yeah. See, that's like the part that confuses me is like, if you're really dead set on creating your own morality, why harm other people in the process of it? That just proves that his like theories or like his <laughs> philosophy is like very selfish in my opinion and very, very unaware. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, my dad says that as the circle of knowledge increases, the circumference of ignorance does as well. Mm-hmm. And so when people think they know something mm-hmm. and will yell at someone else for disagreeing that that discourse will shatter Mm -hmm. because nothing will be solved you can't change someone's mind however you can talk out a solution and so i think in politics lots of things are either black and white and like one or the other but honestly if we just talk things out and if we conversate, we'll fix things. Yeah. And like, that's why, like, that's why I get kind of confused. Cause I have, you know, some like minded peers who are, um, leftist. And I sometimes I'm like, you know, you may not want to talk to them like the other side, but I feel like if we really want to unite and we want to, you know, make elementary progress and make, you know, progressive policy is the best place to do that and the best way to do that is to actively talk about that together because you like it's just human nature first of all to find common ground and even if you like don't find that much common ground I feel like having that outlet to talk maybe even vent together is way more like uniting and more Mm -hmm. like satisfying and validating than just keeping this evident hatred between these two groups which is why i don't agree with um nietzsche's solution on that like i just i don't think that individualism would be the way to go if we wanted to improve society especially uh where we're at now um yeah so that's kind of like the whole entire situation with nietzsche that's the whole entire like nine yards i feel like that's the <laughs> saying Another critique of Nietzsche, which personally is my favorite critique, and it's an awesome, awesome philosopher. Her name is Simone de Beauvoir. She wrote a book called The Second Sex, which goes into, like, feminist postmodernist theory. Uh, You should definitely check it out. (laughs) Um, But what she said is we don't need to perpetuate dehumanizing power struggles and oppression. The master-slave dialect dialectic might be an accurate description of our history, but it isn't necessary or binding. We can undo these habits and live differently. What that translates to is, yo, like we've had morality handed down to us and it's been bad morality. It's been oppressing people, which also on another note, I feel like Nietzsche also dismisses the fact that morality oppresses so many people the way he's preaching it, the way he wants to solve it. But what, but de Beauvoir is trying to say is that although this has been like a bad situation for kind of a long time, we don't need a fret. We can like undo them and we can collectively make morals together and like we can live differently, which to me sounds like the obvious solution. 
Like if you do something bad, you're going to probably try to fix it and live differently from your mistake, which is that just, I just don't understand how people couldn't like disagree with that. No, I completely, I completely agree. And honestly, like I said before, it's so hard to convince someone Mm -hmm. that like that makes sense. Well, because also that's like a psychological aspect because people don't like admitting they're wrong because it makes them look stupid. And the last thing people want is to look stupid because that interferes with their whole entire validation element, I feel mm-hmm. like, which is like a whole other situation, but this is not a psychology podcast, <laughs> so we're not going to get into that. <laughs> but like, in a sense, like it's, it's just frustrating. Cause it's like, you know, Nietzsche, if you really wanted to solve this morality being contingent issue, why don't you sit down with the people, talk to them yeah, and like, don't keep the two groups separate. That way we can make progress and morality can now be, like, liberating for all, not just the individual. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, The thing is, people who are like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to, you know, talk with someone that's right. I don't want to talk with someone that, like, thinks differently than me or follows a single person. They're not going to have things solved. And they're just okay with crying about how awful society is and how things never work out for them. Well, yeah, and it's, like, I feel like the biggest problem with society now is the fact that there's, like, this performance activism going on around. And I see this all the time with, like, Mm -hmm. social media stars. They're, like, they pretend to care about, like, these issues, but they don't do anything to, like, help society improve from that. And to me, that's, like, a big problem because it's, like, if you genuinely cared about these things, you would try your best to solve them in the best yeah. of your ability and like the best of your hands. I um, went to a, I went to a convention right before quarantine set in, um, and there was a speaker that said, you know, there's a difference between activism and advocacy. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be like a something advocate, like you can say so many different things, which is just activism, but the actual the doing of it. Like, you can only have such a big mouth. Mm-hmm. You can only talk about things that you're improving. Um, you can just advocate however much you like. But if you actually active, like, you, if, if you're active in the action of fixing things, it's, it's, it not only looks better, but it is better. Because mm-hmm. if you say that you care about the environment, you can say all you want. But if you send videos of yourself, you know, recycling or whatever, mm-hmm. that will make so much more of an impact. Yeah. No, 100%. And I feel like a lot of people seek validation through that too. Is like yeah, if sure. they, you know, and like you go to your friends and like your friends ask you, like, oh, what have you been up to? Obviously, if you say, I was partying, blah, 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 they're not gonna like respect you as much or like validate you. But if you're like, I was on the ocean, you know, cleaning some trash, they're gonna be like, oh, wow, good <laughs> yeah. job. You know what I mean? And I feel like, the pe- people are not doing activism for, like, the wrong reasons. And they're, like, they, I don't think a lot of, not a lot, but, like, most, some people, some, don't really care about the issue. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, no, um, but what, getting back to, like, the whole entire point, what Simone de Beauvoir was really aiming for was collective morals. And Ahmed then said, Nietzsche's authenticity, so his, like, way to find self-liberation through his own morals, is not creative. Like he says, it's just good fortune and privilege, morality coming on its own. Which, 
Honestly, now that I read that out loud, I fully do agree with that. I did agree with it, but now I'm like, damn, that's a really good passage from Ahmed because it's like his liberation is not creative since he's probably going to just stem back from morals that were taught and try to find common ground with himself. And it's privilege to do that. It's, it's really, it's big privilege. And it's probably because he was privileged back then. Mm-hmm. Um, another philosopher who I especially do really like is Audre Lorde. Uh, she also talked about a lot about feminism. She was a civil rights activist. Um, love her. Can't even say enough good things about her. Um, but what she said is, Nietzsche's pathos of distance would result in a diversion of energies and a tragic repetition of racist patriarchal thought, which I so fully agree with because here's the thing. The more you divide, the more space there is for people to be not inclusive to be exclusive, to be extremely like, I don't want to say like negative. And like, of course what she's saying is, that gives them open room to be racist and patriarchal. And I, so I think that's like beautifully said or not beautifully, but like really well said, because the more you put people into groups, the more room there is for that to happen. No, I completely agree. Um, I think that when you give people room for like finding their own values, humans in general go towards the negative. Mm -hmm. Like people, like when you, like with quarantine, you let people be alone and people end up losing parts of themselves. But if as a collective you upkeep and support the community, mm-hmm. you will just get a better ratio yeah. of productive humans. Exactly, yeah. No, I think what she also says is interdependency is the true path towards authenticity. Uh, which, I'm not going to lie, I don't know so much about interdependency. But I really do like Audre Lorde because I feel like she does bring in a lot of things that so many people can relate to now, which just, again, proves that history repeats itself, philosophy repeats itself. Uh, yeah. Um, but I have a question for you, and I think, do you think, do you morally represent everyone through independent liberation or community liberation? Um, I think in America, it's hard to have, like, communal liberation just because people are always pushing values. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, especially when you're trying to, you know, if you're a teenager and you're trying to figure out who you are as an individual, your community affects you. Mm -hmm. And so if you grow up in a certain place, your personality will form and conform to that. Mm -hmm. And so I think... Also, it's the conversation between um, nature and nurture. Mm-hmm. And so if you grow up where you don't have a strong parental structure or communal uh, like sense of warmth, mm-hmm. I think you'll definitely be deprived of that. Yeah. And so you won't have your own individual ideas where you're just kind of in a, a funnel. Yeah. Almost. And so it's just force-fed to you. And so that individual like contact with yourself is a lot more difficult. Yeah. I think that here's the thing. I feel like if the question was more, so do you morally represent yourself through independent liberation or community? I would say, um, 
obviously independent liberation. But since the question that I wrote down is, do you morally represent everyone through independent Mm -hmm. liberation or community? I think it's community because community shapes who you are. And I feel like if you have a community set of values and you guys talk about that, actively participating in that, then that's really uh, when you morally represent everyone. Because I feel like you can take a slice of a pie, but it's just a slice of a pie. Like you need a whole entire pie and that whole entire pie, those different slices bring everything different to the table and those slices create, um, you know, morals for everybody rather than just like one small slither. Also, people need to realize that we all come from different backgrounds. And Audre Lorde talks about this too. And she's like, um, diversity shouldn't be just tolerated. It should be like a big part of, you know, community. And I so disagree. I so not disagree. I so agree with that because I feel like for the longest time, diversity was just tolerated, which that was not enough. And that, that'll never be enough. Like diversity needs to be appreciated. It needs to be talked about more. We need to talk about our backgrounds. We need to talk about how we like experiences and, you know, our like cultural identification, uh, not just tolerate that. That's like not acceptable to me at all in 2020 or ever. (laughs) So yeah. Um, honestly, I think America since at least before World War II, has been a mixing pot of cultures and people and individuals. Um, and we're actually really lucky that we get to have such a, devi- such a diverse population. But I think in other areas of the world, you don't really find that. And so our yeah. personalities are expanded based on, mm-hmm. obviously, where we come from. We bring those childhood memories with us and those experiences with us mm-hmm. into colleges and workplaces. And so everyone has a different skill set, which is why as individuals, we're so unique. Exactly, no. And, like, she is... Audra, like, also talks a lot about that in her book. And she doesn't like Nietzsche at all. Like, she objects it to all. Because I feel like she's kind of standing on the side of, like, yes, our morals were intuited by elitists, but there's no need to call them the sovereign individuals, the herd, which I guess I kind of agree with um, mm-hmm. too. Um, my philosophy professor asked me or asked us this question and it's, should we breed sovereign individuals in this post-truth era? Which if you guys are not familiar with the post-truth era is kind of like this era where we kind of conform um, to whatever's going on. We don't fact check. We just believe everything. Like people would believe like climate change is fake, blah, 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 et cetera. Um, but do we breed the individuals who escape the herd and self-liberate or do we not? And when I was approached with this question, I was like, well, yeah, duh. Like, wouldn't we want to have free individuals? But I'm like, now thinking about it and what I wrote was like, no, we shouldn't have that because that's just going to cause more oppression towards the other people who aren't free and they're going to be still stuck, but we're not going to be able to communicate. So it's going to result again in no progress in society. So that to me is like one of the biggest issues is this whole entire breeding sovereign individuals, um, which is what Nietzsche kind of talks about. And like, he always, he, he says the weirdest stuff. He's like, yeah, the two groups have to be forever separate. And it's like, dude, That's so sad. no, it's so sad because it's like, talk to each other, mm-hmm. talk. Um, 
Uh, now I have another question for you, Hannah. It's how should we even approach morality in the world of big tech and social media? Do we do it collectivistly or do we do it individualistically? Mm-hmm. Um, I think big tech and modern biased is actually something that has been around since, I guess, the newspapers. Mm-hmm. Like you are reading from a biased perspective, whether the news source confronts it or not mm-hmm. and so while people believe that a certain party is controlling the media it could go either way oh no it de- the thing is like it definitely does go both ways yeah exactly because here's the thing is like the two parties don't give a crap they they work for like elitists yeah they work for the status quo Both sides. exactly and that's why there hasn't been any progress is because they work for the top one percent right like do they care about the average american folk <laughs> probably not yeah like and that's why i think that in a sense individualism would be the way to go but again i just don't agree with each other because it's like you're not gonna win big tech versus sovereign individual like that's just like not gonna work you're gonna win collectively deciding and maybe from there then you use kind of like some ideals of yourself and be like i got the i got the muscles now to do that and like fight them off yeah so i mean like i've been saying this whole time like being able to compromise is the mm -hmm. best way to go because not everyone can be happy like you can't satisfy everyone but like something with a small government everyone's able to have their own individual like, lives, mm-hmm. and so the government can't control that, but there are only so many limitations to that, because you can't just have, like, an anarchy, mm-hmm. or you can't have, like, a communist government. Like, there's mm-hmm. so many different extremes that just doesn't work for America. Mm-hmm. Like, especially in Los Angeles, like, the government has such a big, like, role everywhere. Yeah, and I feel like here's the thing, too, is, like, a lot of people, like, want to do this, like, drastic change. And, like, of course, like, I love progressive policies. Like, I want to do progressive change, too. Like, that's extremely, extremely important for me. Yeah. But sometimes you have to take a step back and be, like, we have to collectively decide what to do. And I feel like that's, like, why people voted for Biden. I feel like that's a really good example of collectivism, is like the saddle for Biden movement. It was because people were like, you know what, this is not the progress that we were aiming for, but this is the progress that we have to settle for. Which like it's that's like that's like fair. I'm like I, I do agree with that. Like I do agree with um how that goes. But anyways, um yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's a good place to wrap this all up. Maybe, <laughs> you know, talk about collectivism, individualism to your next door neighbor, your mom, your dad. Or dinner. Or dinner. dinner. Oh, yeah, definitely dinner. This is a great dinner topic. (laughs) You're going to either be loved or hated by your family. Um, But also, conversation and compromise is key. Exactly, yeah. Don't make them hate you. Rather be like, you can hate me, but I won't hate you back. But also, I appreciate the conversation. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Uh, If you want to find me on social media, it's at V-O-N-W-N-U-K-K. And if you want to find Hannah on social media, (laughs) it's it's Hannah.Polterak. I don't follow people I don't know. But (laughs) reach out to me. Um, 
I would love to talk to anyone about what we've talked about today. Of course. Um, if you want to ask us questions or Ava questions, um, what to talk about, that's up to her. Um, but yeah, thanks guys for listening. Hopefully you can bring this insight with your families and friends, mm-hmm. political discourse, and of so course. on and so forth. Yeah. Anyways, have a great rest of your day whether it's sunny whether it's snowing whether it's raining hailing (laughs) maybe there's a tornado next to you who knows maybe you're on the beach which i'm kind (laughs) of jealous of anyways adios and i'll catch you guys later bye